Hello and welcome to the Rosedale Family Office Podcast. My name is Noah Jerfeld. And I'm Rocky Bellotti. We are partners with the Rosedale Family Office, one of Toronto's oldest and fastest growing multifamily offices. We help our clients navigate the complex world of wealth by advising them on investment management, corporate planning, tax planning, and much more. Each week on this podcast, Noah and I will explore the different aspects of wealth management, discuss the ever-changing world of financial markets, and talk with thought leaders. Whether you are just beginning your wealth journey or you have been running your own family office for years, we hope that you will find value in our conversations that Noah and I have each week. This is the part of the podcast where I tell you that nothing Rocky and I say here should be considered a specific investment advice. We take great time and care to understand the needs of our clients before we ever recommend anything. Not all investments are suitable for you, depending on your unique circumstances. Please give us a call or speak with your financial advisor before putting a dime of your own money at risk. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Rosedale Family Office Podcast. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Rocky Bellotti. Hey, Rocky, how are you doing? Good, Noah. How are you doing? Not too bad. First nice sunny weekend of the year. I got a little bit of a sunburn. And as always, we'll we'll start this episode by talking about the weather. Yeah, well, it was actually a great weekend. The, uh, the weather was warm enough to do pretty much anything. You can go for a bike ride or jump in a pool. So it was it was really nice. I actually didn't know what to do because you could do anything. So it was a great, a great uh, problem to have this past weekend. What did you get up to? Oh, I just basically sat outside, basked in the sun, ate some good food. Uh, my fiance and I were out on a bit of a rural property, so we went ATVing one of the days. It was it was a very good way to spend the weekend. Nice. Well, let's not uh, bore our audience with. Uh, weather and and, and weekend plans. And I definitely think that this is uh, valuable to share with our audience. I mean, I woke up this morning and the first thing that popped in my email was, uh, you know, share the news from from Wellington. And the title is Wellington Altus Private Wealth has been rated as the number one overall investment advisory firm in 2021 based on the brokerage report card. And I, I just think, you know, obviously it's it's great to be in this business and be proud about what you do um, as, a, as a person and to your clients. But what's really nice is being affiliated with a firm that has the same vision as you do personally. Yeah, and it's nice to be to see that public recognition for everything that we and, and the firm we work with do every day for, for advisors and also for clients. So just to relate it back to client base, Rocky, why why should people care about the fact that Wellington was rated as the number one investment firm in Canada? Well, I, I think that your work will be directly correlated to how happy you are at work. And when you look at your relationship with your clients, it's great when you're happy and you're motivated and the firm you walk into every day is somewhere where you find peace and happiness. And and I think that, you know, in our industry, I don't think the clients really know what goes on in the background as with any business, right? Like when I go and I buy 
goods from Canadian Tire, I don't really know what has to happen to get that product on the shelf and in my hand. And in our business, you know, it's very evident that there's things like uh, compliance and tons of back office support and bonus structures and compensation and succession programs and, you know, where do we spend our time and energy and strategic support uh, with uh, insurance planning, tax planning, uh, you know, different asset allocations. There's so much that goes on to then deliver a final experience to the client. And if that infrastructure that supports us both is not there and is not in line with how we want to treat our clients, then it's going to be a lot more challenging to do a great job. And this is why you see a lot of movement in our industry where someone may start out at the bank and uh, typically either stay there for life or make a move. And if you look at Wellington, uh, the partner model, which I always love to share with with my clients and, and family and friends, where where we work, we're direct partners of the overall uh, parent company. And that's important because our interests are aligned and we have the same goals as they do, which is ultimately to do the best possible job for our clients. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you'd agree with me, Rocky, but the part of our job that we love the most and that I, I think is the most valuable for clients is the time that we can actually spend talking with clients, looking at their investments with them, um, and really engaging with uh, with them. And if we have the right infrastructure behind us to minimize the amount of time that we need to spend on back office functions and, and trades and making sure accounts are open properly, if all of that's taken care of, of seamlessly, and that's more time that we can spend with our clients and offer a better service model and a, and a much better experience. And I think once again, it's been really gratifying to see that Wellington is proving that they're the best in the industry at that and the best place for advisors and by extension, the best place for clients. Yeah, and even things so, so basic as our office. You know, we had um, somebody uh, pass by the office on Friday um, they, they've been fully vaccinated and so they had a, a comfort level that, you know, let me pass by and obviously use all the correct protocols. But in, in them seeing the space, the first words were, I would have never thought this is what the office looked like. <laughs> and I think that that really writes home to, to all of us because I think that was the intention of Rosedale Family Office is to really create an environment that doesn't feel stuffy, that doesn't feel like, you know, uh, something that would be in 50 years ago, uh, how it would feel to walk into any one of the major banks. And, you know, that environment creates, I think, exactly what we were looking for, which is a friendly environment, a family environment, a comfortable environment, a new environment. You know, we have exposed beams, et cetera. It's not your traditional um, office space. And I don't know about you know, but when I'm there, um, you know, we're, we're all working from home quite a bit these days. But when you're there, you definitely have a, you know, a different aura, a different feeling, a different energy. And I think that um, that just, again, kind of correlates right back to the, the, the intention of our parent company and of Wellington is to be different because we do not want to 
you know, fit in with the rest of, of the financial services businesses out there. We want to stand out. We want to be different. And we want to ultimately do that in every way possible, including um, the office space. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, so that, that was very gratifying to see this morning. I, I agree, Rocky, that uh, Wellington was ranked as the best investment firm in Canada, including banks and, and all the independents. And so it's really um, confirmed for us that we're at the right place. And I think given our clients' confidence that, that they're getting the best possible uh, service that they can in all of Canada. Absolutely. And, and you know, this is like a third party validating this, right? This is a um, somebody internally saying we are this and yeah, this, was, this a, wasn't us making this up. It's, uh, it's a no. completely independent third party. Exactly. It's an unbiased third party. And, and not to mention, you know, if you read down a little further on the article, it says that we were a full one point higher than the competition, which it's, you know, overall rating of 9.8. That's quite a bit. So, you know, I think, I think we're ahead of the competition. And I think that, um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a happy place to work. And um, I think that shows in, in the relationships that we then have uh, with our, our multi-family uh, office. Exactly. So, Rocky, uh, it's also been a, an interesting couple weeks in the markets. And this has probably been the topic that I've been asked most about over the last two weeks is the tech market and what's going on there. Um, I, I have a few statistics that I'll, I'll read out that I want your reaction to. but. Um, Basically, if you had bought technology in 2020, didn't matter what you bought, you would have made money. Um, and that narrative has been completely reversed this year. And I'm having a lot of people and, and frankly, mostly people around my age and friends asking me what's happening. They got in some ways sucked into the technology craze and are now starting to lose money on it. Um, and I think it, it's super uh, that that lesson that you can take from this is super insightful in overall investing and how to diversify properly and make money over the long term and not get caught into crazes. But anyways, we, we can talk more about that. I'll give you these statistics. So Spotify, which everybody knows, their subscribers in the most recent quarter were up 21%, a massive increase in subscription, but the stock is down 44% below its 52-week high. Uh, Shopify, another household name, grew revenue by 110% in the most recent quarter, and yet Shopify is 31% below its 52-week high. And Peloton, which I think half the country now has a Peloton in their home, subscription revenue grew by 144%, and yet Peloton is down 51% from its 52-week high. Um, what is, what's your reaction to that, Rocky? What do you think? It's interesting because I had this conversation uh, in my backyard uh, yesterday where, um, you know, someone had said, well, you know, I just wish I would have bought, uh, whether it be Peloton or Spotify or any of these names that everyone's heard of over the pandemic. And it's so important. And I think we mentioned this in another podcast where, you know, Himalaya always reminds us we cannot overpay. And so if you think of any entrepreneur, they start a business and the business uh, ultimately ends up uh, at a much different state than when it started. And then when you're rolling, you start to look at, well, maybe we should acquire another business and vertically integrate, et cetera. And if you think of what the entrepreneur does is they look at the other business and they say, well, this is a great business, but I'm not overpaying for it. And I think that's how we have to look at stocks. You know, they, they, they come with this, 
you know, analogy that, oh, just, just buy some stocks. I mean, stock is literally a piece of a company. That's, when, that's where the word came from. You're buying shares in a business. But if you're buying shares in a business, you really have to think about, is it a good business? That's question one. And then question two is, am I overpaying for this business? Because if you overpay, you may not ever recover your money, or it may take you a decade to get back even or, or to see some profit. So I think, you know, we, we have a ton of expertise in our group, and this is where Himalaya, you know, really shines and, and lets us know and yourself as well, Noah, being on the investment committee team, where you, know, you, you look at a business and Spotify, wow, what a fantastic metric, you know, uh, subscriptions, growing. Anyone would love that metric. But if it's already priced in to the share price, well, even if that number grows or if they grow into the earnings, which they think they're going to grow into, then if it's already massively priced in or overpriced, it's still not a good business to buy. It's, a, it's, it's still a good business. It's just not a good business to pay, um, you know, that multiple on forward earnings. So I think that's where, you know, when someone often will make the comment like, oh, come on, Amazon, what an incredible business. You are absolutely right. It is. But is it an incredible business to own and at what price? And I think that's where the expertise comes in, is, is coming up with a price. Uh, and, you know, this is like greatest uh, investor of all time, like Ben Graham, Warren Buffett. Like this is the analysis that these guys do is what price should I pay for this business? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think a great example of that, that it's a company that everybody knows is Microsoft, which has been dominant in the um, personal computer and also commercial computing space, basically since the inception of modern computing. Um, they were some of the, one of the first big technology companies to create cloud services, which is now the most profitable profitable segment for Amazon. So they've been a mainstay in the technology space for over 30 years. Um, and it's really interesting. If you had bought Microsoft stock back in 2000, um, you would have paid about 50 bucks a share. And if you had bought Microsoft then, you would have lost money for the next 12 years. Um, and so that just shows you that it doesn't matter how strong the business is, if you overpay for it, you might still lose money. And that's the most common mistake I think early investors make is they get a little bit of recency bias and they think, oh, this stock, this asset, this company has gone up by 30% in the last year, it's a great company. It's going to keep going up. But just because something's happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen in the future. Just because Bitcoin has gone up in the past doesn't mean it's going to go up in the future. And the same can be said for any asset you might be buying. So it's very important if your goal is to make money year over year for the long term and not just try and get rich quick to make sure you're not overpaying for things because that's the easiest way to lose massive amounts of money is to buy in at the top of a market craze. Well, yeah, and, and I think, you know, it just goes right back to the basics where, you know, Ben Graham was known as the father of value investing, which, funny enough, sometimes value investing goes in and out of flavor, right? You know, people say, well, if you're a value investor, you would never like this company because it's, it's a growth company. 
and growth companies, you know, you tend to sometimes lose money for a lot of years before they make money. But if you look at still the underlying company and you say to yourself, well, this is a great business, it could be a growth business that puts all their money right back into, you know, retained earnings back into growing the business, never paying a dividend, et cetera, or not paying a dividend or a low dividend. But at the same time, you know, there's businesses like Apple, as an example, where the dividend is extremely low relative to, for example, a Canadian bank. But again, it all comes back to, is it a good business? Yes. And what price are we willing to pay for that business? And um, that analysis is, is where the value comes in. Yeah, I think sometimes people like to make investing more complicated than it has to be. And don't get me wrong, it, it can be incredibly complex. And there are very complex investing strategies that can make money. Um, but for myself and for our clients and the way that they like to manage their money, it's really best to take it back to the basics. What are we doing when we're investing? We're putting money into something in the hopes of creating a return in the future. And the best way to do that is to find a company that's growing and make sure you're not overpaying for it. It's what a business owner would do, like you said, Rocky, when they're vetting a new acquisition. doesn't matter how good the business is if they have to overpay for it because they're not going to make money from it. And so just keeping it very simple, that's what we have to do when we're investing in stock as well. I think it's important for people to always bring it back to those basics and really remembering what they're doing with the money. It's not just numbers moving on the screen, but it's real life businesses that they're investing in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that has to directly, you know, do with uh, short-term price fluctuation. You know, when, when we, when we buy a business and we should use the term business from now on, not stock because a stock is a business, it's a piece of a business. So if we say to ourselves, well, you know what, we're going to invest in this business. Do you really, and, and I think Warren Buffett says this in one of his interviews, he says, if you bought a McDonald's franchise, would you really get somebody to come value it at four o'clock every day and say, can you give me the value of this franchise? And right. um, do you mind giving me the ticker symbol? And I'm going to actually watch it from when the market opens to the market closed. I mean, it's just not a, a reasonable way of investing because it's pretty challenging to put a value on a business at four o'clock every day. So, you know, when we buy a business and we buy shares in that business, we have a long-term view um, in that company. And I think if you treat investing the way you treat buying a really, you know, quality home in a great area on a nice street and the locations, you know, very desirable, you're not going to have a ticker symbol above your door and say, well, what's this house worth every day at four o'clock? Can you give me the quote? Um, and when you don't do that and you look at the long-term view of your investment, now you can really start to build wealth. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's a really important thing for people as they start and progress on their wealth journey to realize is that um, the best way to make money in the long term is not to be focused on the markets and, and trying to make those short-term gains. It's to invest prudently in, in assets that are going to really appreciate over the long term and then just back and, and wait and let time compounding work for you. Um, so I, I thought that has been a very interesting few weeks with the, the slow unwind of the tech bubble um, as people are starting to realize that maybe a lot of those businesses had really started to get past themselves on price. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, a couple of good news items, which it's always nice to share is um, we always talk about the reopening, but, you know, again, here in Ontario, we are pretty far behind the North American reopening because in North America, it's primarily open, right? We're, We're closed, but primarily these businesses that we own shares in um, are open and, and there's a big disconnect there, Noah, because you know when when speaking to clients, say for example, you own a retail store on Young Street, well, you're right. like, how is it possible? There's people out there and businesses that we own where the share prices um, you know have continuously gone higher and the markets at all time highs, et cetera. And and you know we have to remind people that like there's really no correlation between Google and a retail store on Young Street. So, you know, there's there's the local economy, like where you live and where I live, and, and everyone's business, which is independently owned, for example, here. And then there's businesses that are all over the world and publicly listed. They're not, uh, you know, directly affected. Like if you look at a company like Restaurant Brands, if you said to someone here in Toronto, oh, my God, I think I, I'd love to invest in the restaurant business, Right now, restaurants are closed, but Restaurant Brands is a publicly traded company. They have restaurants all over the world, and it's a much different animal when you look at something like that. And and another thing that I think public markets allow uh, companies to do is access money when they need it, right? So if they need to do a debt issue or an equity issue, they can. But if you and I own a restaurant on Young Street, we're not going to say, okay, well, we'll just, you know, we'll uh, call up our local bank and we'll we'll see if we can raise some money here at, uh, you know, fifty dollars a share, or we'll do uh, raise some debt so we can keep this this restaurant going. Unfortunately, the entrepreneur has to dip right back into their own pocket and fund their business. So there's really no correlation, unfortunately, between how things are going on globally and how businesses are doing and how earnings are doing on these big, big businesses that we own that are publicly traded versus, you know, the local barber. Yeah. And it's too bad that there is that bifurcation. And I think that it, it will damage the local Ontario company for, for a while, all these restaurants and local businesses that have um, had to refinance, take on second mortgages really, dig into their savings to keep afloat. Um, but like you you said, Rocky, it, it's important to keep um, the bigger picture in mind when we're investing and for our clients to keep the bigger picture in mind when they're making capital allocation decisions. That In the U.S. now, they've uh, started to basically fully reopen. Large companies such as Starbucks have started to um, get rid of their mask mandates for people that are fully vaccinated. So things are getting back to normal faster than and we in Ontario can really believe. Um, and it's important to keep that in mind to make sure from a capital allocation perspective, we don't fall behind. Um, and our team and, and our clients have done a really good job of staying ahead of the curve on the reopening so far. And it's worked out quite well in our favor, but it's always a good reminder that um, whatever your home bias is, whether it's you live in Ontario and your home bias is that uh, things are still locked down or um, no matter where you live, you you always have a home bias because you see the things that are happening around you. Important not to extrapolate that to the entire globe because it's a big world and, and things are very different in other parts of it. 
Definitely. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you put it best, the, the home bias is a great you know term for that because we're obviously biased to the outlook based on where we live. Yeah. Well, that's good, Rocky. I, I think we'll, uh, we'll end there for this week. It was a couple interesting news items. What's, uh, what do you have for our audience this week in terms of books to read or, or things to look forward to? Yeah, definitely. I, I was thinking about that over the weekend and um, Serena Williams actually did a great um, Netflix series and I think it's worth watching um, not only because I enjoy tennis, but um, just as a, as a person that came from nothing uh, really started to get traction in tennis as a career and the story with, you know, how her dad basically was was their coach. And, uh, you know, both Serena and Venus obviously did extremely well in their career as tennis players. But, you know, oftentimes I think when we look at people like Serena, we say, oh, she, you know, she was number one in the world. Well, she's gifted or she's talented. You know, she was born right. with, with the ability to just be a great tennis player. What this shows you is what goes into being that player. And, you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of struggles. Um, and, you know, she, she had a baby and it kind of goes through that. So I won't, I won't get into it too much and spoil it. But it's just extremely inspirational uh, to watch how does someone maintain uh, that level and consistently maintain that level in whatever it is that you do, whether it's, you know, you're an entrepreneur or whether you, you know, um, you, you want to run a not-for-profit, it really doesn't matter. It, it just shows you what you need to put into it uh, if you want to be the best. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Just a, a slight anecdote. I, all throughout um, my my youth and high school and a little bit of university, I was a high-performance sprint canoe athlete, which I, I won't for our audience with what that is, but it's uh, it's very similar to rowing. Um, and the saying in that sport is that medals are earned in the summer. Sorry, medals are won in the summer, but they're earned in the winter. And I think that holds true for all aspects of life, whether it's um, whether it's through sport or academics or work, is that people will only see the successes, but they don't see the sometimes years and years of hard work and grinding that goes into creating those successes. Um, so I, I always I agree, Rocky. I think it's so important to read stories like Serena's and to see how much hard work and dedication goes into that level of success um, because it really gives you better perspective on what she's accomplished. Yeah, and, and a lot of sacrifice. Uh, you'll see that you know you, you can't kind of have it all. That it's a very true saying where you know she wants to be the best mom, but she wants to be the best tennis player, but she wants to be the best partner. And so it's just, it's really challenging um, for someone like that uh, to maintain all that. But it just shows that if you have it in you, anything is possible. And uh, it's just really inspirational. So I'd, I'd suggest uh, watching it over the weekend if our audience has time. Nice. So was that a, a movie, Rocky, or what was that? No, it was a series. Uh, I want to okay. say it's only four or five episodes. Uh, it's quite short, but it's really, really good. And I actually um, played tennis next to Serena and Venus. Uh, I was in Miami. Uh, I think I was like 13 or 12 or 13 years old. And I had gone down there for uh, some coaching and, and uh, 
they happened to be on court. And I, I played next to them and literally, you know, three hours of them just hitting balls and training and fitness. And this was obviously in, you know, mid thirties now. So this was quite some time ago. So imagine all the work that they've put in from yeah. then until now. And then even before then to really be uh, the Williams sisters. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's amazing. That's, that's a great one, Rocky. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll let everyone go. We won't uh, keep uh, our audience. And uh, I think we're we're off to uh, a great start here and, and we'll be back uh, next week. Thanks, Rocky. You have a great week. You too. Thanks. Transactions of the type described may involve a high degree of risk, and the value of such instruments may be highly volatile. Such risks may include, without limitation, risks of adverse or unanticipated market developments, risk of issuer default, and risk of illiquidity. In certain transactions, counterparties may lose their entire investments or current unlimited loss. This brief statement does not disclose all of the risks and other significant aspects in connection with transactions of the type described, and counterparties should ensure that they fully understand the terms of the transaction, including the relevant risk factors and, and any legal, tax, regulatory, and accounting considerations applicable to them prior to transacting.